0: Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. Um, no, when that first fish first came up, I did know it was over 100 pounds. I'm
1: in front of the state cap, but there's no pass.
0: We're going to have to talk about that stuff
1: here.
2: <laughs> A ridiculous new bill that would ban the DNR. I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting for the pre Sportsman Studios. Presented by OnX. know where you stand with OnX. <laughs> We're not just a radio show anymore. Heck yeah! This is Sporting Journal Radio. That's right. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Brett Amundsen. That's Dan Amundsen over there, and David Eckhart joining us as well too. How you doing, fellas? Fantastic. Good. We're looking at the end of february here
3: already Oh, beginning of march i guess actually it is march now it it's is... time to get boats out and snow goose decoys out <laughs> i know I'm, I'm so excited all about that i
2: know and david you and i both bought some new decoys and our other buddy tony was telling us today it's going to be so muddy this this spring out oh. there with all that snow yeah
3: based on what he said <laughs> i think you guys need to sell your decoys it's over <laughs> <laughs> pretty much
2: well we're going to talk about uh hunt and fishing this week of course on the show got a lot to get to a lot is of things... that what we do here once in a while huh. we talk a little bit cool. of cool i kind like of like fishing it happens uh our, we got darren Troseth is going to join us to talk about catching some of the biggest fish and state. in fact he has caught well he's probably caught the
3: biggest fish in the state yeah is there actually a bigger fish to catch like is there a flathead bigger than that not 120 pounds no nope. well not i think what. soda
2: State, yeah, and I, I don't need flatheads. I don't think we get that big blue cats, maybe, but I don't think flatheads would get yeah. that big anywhere, would they? I have no idea. But seventy-eight inches, state record. Oh, that was going to be part of trivia. Don't listen to the, what I just said. We've got fish trivia coming <laughs> <here>. up. <laughs> a little later in the show plus we'll talk to Darren about uh, what kind of gear he likes to use to catch uh, sturgeon uh, through the ice also in the open water so if you want some sturgeon fishing tips we'll talk about uh, what he uses where he goes and more coming up with Darren Troseth later in the show we'll also talk about our second annual fishing tournament that we're doing here coming up in the rainy river for sturgeon and also big walleye uh, we'll talk about a new bill that's just ridiculous if you ask me that's been introduced about uh, wolf hunting season in Minnesota it's basically going to limit the DNR so they can't implement a wolf or uh, wolf hunting or trapping season as a management tool should they lose their federal protection so uh, I'll explain all of that and and more coming up plus an article that came out in one of the local newspapers that just drives me crazy really grinds my gears we'll talk about all that coming up in a little bit but first Dan
3: who are the sponsors this week this week we have on x nor stand with on x lake of the woods tourism lake of the woods is the walleye capital Planet trip for this spring at lake of the woods mn.com live target match the hatch at live target com. abel heights campground and resort book a trip to devil's lake for this the spring, summer, maybe some more ice fishing at haybaleheights.com. Alclair Audio, save your hearing in the field with Alclair. Learn more at AlclareOutdoors.com. That's also what we're wearing on this show. The Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic is March 10th through the 13th at Canterbury Park. Come see us there. Learn more at mndeerclassic.com. Riverbend Resort at Lake of the Woods. Plan an ice fishing or spring rainy river fishing trip at riverbendresort.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com and Prairie Sportsman. The new season is underway now. Watch episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. There's a lot there, Dan. Holy we got smokes. no more sponsors. <laughs> Just kidding. We need more.
2: That's right. We're excited to get back up to uh, Lake of the Woods <laughs> and the Rainy River. And Riverbend, of course, uh, with walleye season and our, and our fishing season's essentially uh, closed. With some of the fish being closed now across the state. Where there's some border waters where you can still catch uh, walleyes, including Lake of the Woods. I got the extended season. We'll find out more about that with Joe Henry coming up uh, later in the show. And don't forget our SGR 500, the second annual fishing tournament coming up on the Rainy River. It'll be April 11th and 12th. It's a two-day tournament with a non-mandatory rules meeting the night before April 10th at Riverbend. We'll be giving away a bunch of prizes. We got some OnX memberships. We got a bunch of uh, fishing gear. And the tournament this year, we're going to pay back some cash too. So it's a $40 entry fee with a 50% payback. We're also donating 25% of entry fees to keep it clean up at Lake of the Woods to help keep the lake clean. So find out more about the SJR 500 at
3: SportingJournalRadio.com or enter today on the Fish Donkey app. Man, kind of, a, kind of a no-brainer to enter. You'll, if you win, you pay for your trip going up, so you might as well throw a few more bucks into your trip and join the tournament. And that's that. Absolutely. There's my spiel.
2: I'm looking forward to it, man. You know, just when you think that uh, we've been, we have, you know, we've been too busy, Dan. We've got so many things going on right now, uh, including a new video coming to the Fish on Forever YouTube channel, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> crowd goes wild. (laughs) (laughs) So excited about it.
3: Dan, what are we going to see on the new YouTube channel? Well, we traveled to New York about two, three weeks ago now. We caught a bunch of fish on the Niagara River and caught a bunch of species too. So we're going to show you what it's like fishing below Niagara Falls. Matter of fact, that video is on YouTube right now. Right now. As you speak, Fish Hunt Forever. Go check it out. Go subscribe. uh, Like, share with all your friends. Um, We want to keep the lifestyle that we love going. And this channel is a way to showcase that lifestyle we love and and fight for it and advocate for it. So share it with all your friends. Share it with your family. Watch it a thousand times. Like, comment it. Um, Make sure that our lifestyle is protected. Absolutely. So we can fish and hunt forever. And if you're going to fish any more this year in Minnesota, don't forget you
2: need new uh, new fishing license. And uh, new licenses uh, were needed, March 1st and they will go through February 29th, 2024. 29 days in February next year. Uh, so get your new license. And then that, that increase potential increase in fishing licenses may happen. It may not. it's got to be it's got to go through the whole legislative process. Um so maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, but if it does happen, it'll take place uh, next year. So they were going into effect March 1st of 2024. And speaking of the, the legislative process, there was a new bill that I, just drive me crazy. This was a, a ridiculous new bill that would ban the DNR from implementing a hunting or trapping season on wolves should they lose their federal protections. Also, a one-sided article about the bill came out in a local newspaper. Uh, this bill was introduced by Mary Kunish, a Democrat from New Brighton, in the Senate, and then there was a companion bill in the House by Peter Fisher, also Democrat from Maplewood. Now, let me be clear: I believe that the DNR should be able to manage an animal that is above population goals. There's been an there's been an issue in the past with the DNR not listening to the the hunters and anglers in the state, and it seems they've tried to be a little bit more transparent about the process with public input meetings. Uh, round table things like that now i think they've gone a little bit too far and have allowed the emotions of citizens who are most likely not in the state's wolf range have a say in the state's management of them now guys let me this is a this is a tough one let me ask you this question because when it comes to management of wolves it's a very emotional subject in the state of minnesota Now, it comes to managing something when there's a when there's a big thing that the state needs to make a decision on. Should all the residents be involved in that decision or should the people who are more likely to be involved in interactions with, say, a wolf like livestock producers, hunters, residents of the north? Should should the debate be open to the entire population of the state or should it be primarily the people
3: involved with that animal? Well, I think, I mean, this is America, all voices can be heard, but I think all voices maybe, I don't know how to say this without it's getting tough, in trouble. I don't right? know how to say this without it's getting tough. in trouble because the people most affected by wolves should be the ones whose voices are heard the most, the most. I would think, right? Somebody who lives in a high rise in Minneapolis shouldn't really, like, yeah, if they love wolves, sure. I love wolves too. I don't want them eradicated and they. everybody can have a say. We all get to vote. That's part of our right as an American, but should they be the ones deciding on wolf management when livestock producers are getting just screwed over? I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to bow out. I don't want to get into <laughs> That's
2: the dilemma. And that's the tough part. And I don't know, David, if you had an <laughs> opinion on it, but that's the tough part because I do like being able to give everybody a say, but maybe the people that are stakeholders should have uh, more weight. And that's the reason that I have issues with uh, this whole topic, because there, there was an article that came out in the forum, one of the forum newspapers, I think I read it in the Grand Forks Herald, but it was, it was from the forum out of Fargo. And they talked about this new bill, and then they cited a study from the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources and the University of Minnesota that, po- that said, I think the article, I better just pull this up real quick to make sure I don't get this wrong, but the article said that some hunters and cattle farmers want a state-sanctioned wolf season to reduce wolf numbers. But statewide polling by the DNR and the University of Minnesota showed that most Minnesotans want to keep about the current number of wolves in the state. So when you read that, you go, oh my gosh, uh, I guess we're in the minority here because the majority of people in the state want to keep numbers the same. Now that doesn't, that doesn't mean they don't want a hunting season. That doesn't mean they want numbers gone. That doesn't mean they want numbers to explode. So to keep numbers about the same, you probably have to influ- implement some sort of management tool, which the DNR in the past has liked to have a hunting or trapping season. They like to have that at their, as, a, as a management tool to have now, I don't know about the current administration, but I know in the previous administrations, the previous DNR uh administrations, they have, they have stated that they and they like to have that option in their toolkit for management of the wolves. Now, I, again, I don't know, I don't know about the current administration, uh, but so that article makes it sound and they quoted someone from Howling for Wolves, which is a big pro wolf advocacy group. I didn't see any other quotes from anybody that would have been pro wolf hunting. So I take a big issue with the way this, this article seemed very, very one-sided and biased because let's break it down a little bit. This study, this research study done by the University of Minnesota and the DNR sent surveys out to 5,250 residents. They sent out to survey to 2,500 livestock producers and 2,000 hunters. Now you might ask, why did residents get mailed more surveys? Well, residents are most likely not to respond as much as a hunter or farmer, rancher, about the topic of wolves. So they they oversampled residents to try to get an equal number across the board. Well, what they got back was 1,466 respondents from residents. And uh, let's see, where's the rest of it? Well, in any case, they got a similar percent. They got 36% respondents from residents. I think they got about 50% from hunters and, and livestock producers. In any case, that is 1,275 people, residents of the state of Minnesota, that were against essentially having a hunting season or basically said they want to keep the population the same. So those that's less than 1,300 people basically – saying they want to keep the numbers of the same, according to this article. The, the article says statewide polling shows that majority of residents want to keep the numbers the same. Well, that's less than 1,300 people in this study. So they didn't break down numbers. So to, to read through that article, you have to go in and break down the numbers uh, just a little bit. So in any case, they all, and then they also bring it up your point, Dan, of why residents should have as much say as hunters and livestock producers, when the the stakeholders should have more say. So they waited, they waited underrepresented communities and underrepresented respondents so that they could try to get an equal amount of response from different people with different backgrounds across the state. Because the majority of responders were older men. Uh, that were producers or hunters, so they gave them less weight. According to this, according to what I've been able to read, and unless somebody from the DNR or the U of M can, can correct me, they gave men who are farmers, ranchers, and hunters less weight in this survey. So I think the survey is, uh, is flawed from the beginning, because to me, this, the people that are more likely to interact with wolves should have more weight in the survey and uh, so in oh. any case, I guess a similar bill went went through the Senate and the House, I think, uh, in 2019 in a pass. It just never, I don't think it ever got signed by the governor to ban the potential use of a hunting or trapping season should wolves be delisted once again. So I don't know if this will actually get signed or not by our governor, but uh, I, would, I would be very disappointed if I saw the DNR handi- handcuffed from being able to use hunting or trapping season on wolves to manage wolves in the state of Minnesota. And shame on you Forum for writing an article like that.
3: Just goes to show you can't trust headlines. We've, we've learned that about a few different media sources. We can't say anything more than that, but there might, (laughs) I'll tease this there. We've, we might have some other hunting news that has been skewed a little bit in the last few weeks. So, uh, Keep it tuned here. And I'm not just saying that. That's actually a legit thing. Yeah. Um things are things are getting weird in the media. So read into like do some research on what you actually read in newspapers and in other places. And that's a that's a no-brainer. We know that. But uh, it goes to show it's it's happening in the hunting and fishing world too.
2: Well I, I will only give interviews to certain people nowadays. Uh, I, I used I stopped when I worked in Fargo and radio, I stopped doing interviews with the newspaper up there because I was always misquoted. And, uh, they never, the story was never, they always left something out of the story of what I told them. So in any case, uh, we'll keep you updated here on the show, or, uh, if you have an issue with this, make sure you let your uh, representative know, uh, how you feel on this issue and all issues regarding the outdoors. All right. Enough political talk. we got Darren Troseth coming up. We'll talk big fish in Minnesota. In fact, the biggest fish in Minnesota, uh, sturgeon and catfish. And we're going to talk about the biggest walleyes potentially in Minnesota, from the Wallet Capital with Joe Henry when we come back. Kodiak, a North American waterfowl film, is coming to the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. I've
3: been a sea duck hunter for about 30 seconds, and I've already got one that's probably gonna go on the wall, so this is the coolest duck hunter I've ever been on. Presented by Boss Shot
2: Shells, with support from Sitka and Beretta, and additional support from Alclair Outdoors, High Prairie Animal Arts, and the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Riders. Watch Kodiak on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. This winter, plan a trip to Devils Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch your legendary perch, but this year, Hay Bale Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at haybaleheights.com. That's HaybaleHights.com. All right, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism joins us right now. And my gosh, we were just talking politics. And look, Joe Henry, is uh, what's in the background there, Joe?
1: Well, you know what? I try to uh, listen to your radio show and react quickly, so I thought I'd get down (laughs) here quick. Uh, No, No, you know, part part of uh, being a a tourism leader is, uh, you know, representing your area and fighting for what's right. And, uh, you know, today we're down at the state capitol with hospitality, Minnesota, and... uh, You know, there's different destinations, you know, lodging facilities, restaurants, hoteliers, things like that. And, you know, we're uh, uh, in my case, we're fighting for tourism related items. We're fighting for Lake of the Woods tourism to have a tourism bureau and the importance of a lodging tax, which, you know, for most of the state is a 3% lodging tax that's on the you know, lodging dollars, and you know that that allows us to market and promote our destination, to educate, to have a website, a Facebook page, you know, and 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 of course to advocate for our our resort community. And you know, we uh, you know, some of our bigger resorts have good marketing engines, and they they put out a real good message. But a lot of our small to mid-sized resorts, you know, they wouldn't have a budget to to do a lot of that. So we're, we we try to fill in those voids and, and keep things busy up north.
2: It's pretty well-established just how much money comes into the state's economy because of of fishing and outdoor tourism. It's important to be able to send a message to people to say, hey, come here and do some fishing.
1: Well, it is. And, you know, part of that is education. Part of that is promotion. Part of that is just human nature, staying in front of people. And, you know, it's it's part of any organization that's successful is to get the message out, and that's certainly what we do. And, you know, being a destination like Lake of the Woods, a lot of it's – you know, the fishing reports and, and um, you know, sports shows. I go to Fargo tomorrow for a four-day sports show, and, you know, it's, it's, it's all of it. And, uh, you know, every just about every destination in the state of Minnesota, and certainly around the Midwest, they have a, a tourism bureau or a destination marketing organization, as we call it, and uh, it's important. So today we're advocating down at the state capitol, and, you know, we're meeting with some of our representatives and senators and such, and uh, it's, it's, it's a productive day so far.
2: Well, uh, what's the word up at the lake? How's fishing? How is uh, snow and ice uh, doing? How, how are the conditions up there right now?
1: So, so I'll start with conditions. So, you know, as everybody knows, we can ice fish. You know, our, our fish houses can be out through the month of March, March 31st. And then, you know, walleye season is extended till April 14th through April 14th. And our pike season never closes. So as we speak... You know, we have very good ice conditions. You know, we were a little worried early in the year because it was a little bit warmer. But boy, we've got some cold weather as of late and things are locked up. And, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, we're going to last well into March at this point.
2: And uh yeah, which is it's such a such a great opportunity to be able to go up there and extend the season a little bit. We're looking forward to our tournament coming up in April, April eleventh and twelfth, the SJR five hundred. And uh hopefully the ice is off
1: by then, Joe.
2: Hopefully and we're gonna we blizzard. Because
1: we yeah, we were worried initially about, you know, the ice being off the lake early. Well now it looks like the ice is gonna last through March, at least it's appearing that way at this point. So ice fishing is going strong. Now the kicker will be How soon will the ice go off that rainy river? I'll tell you this much. You know, we're getting some wallets and saugers. If they're, you know, those fish are spread out in February, they're in March now, early March. We're getting some nice fish, but it's spotty. You gotta fish every single fish that comes through. When it comes to pike, holy smokes, has there been a lot of big pike being caught. And the pike fishing all winter has been good. Normally we talk about pike fishing in March. I'll tell you what, man, right now, I mean, I'll also February, Brett, it, it, fishing's been really good for pike and people are pulling us some just horses, you know, what uh, 20 to, to 26 pound fish. I mean, it's unbelievable.
2: Well, um, I, I just hope that the is opened up. I mean, we pushed the tournament back a week so that hopefully we'd have all the landings open and now I'm starting to wonder a little bit, but now it's, it's that whole game of will the landings be open, but, but the river be clean, you know, the, the water be clear
1: tell us, you know, that spring fishing, it's always a little bit of a timing deal. And, you know, just like last year, we had it a week earlier. We were worried it wouldn't be open. And guess what? It was open. And we caught fish. So yeah. um, I think we all caught fish, but Danny, didn't we?
3: Okay. <laughs> you know what? Here's the deal. Here's the deal, Joe. Just especially just because you said that. I am, I will pay my $40 to our own contest and because I want to give money to keep it clean. And I'm going to go and kick your guys' butts. That's just it. Wow. So you guys can keep talking smack.
1: This do that? Oh, I heard it. Hey, Brett, what happened last year? Brett, what happened last year?
2: Dan, how many fish did you catch last year? A lot.
3: Should we call Jamie right now? <laughs> Let's get Jamie and Jesse well, on the phone. Jamie okay. no, I, gonna pay.
1: Hey, nobody's going to pay anybody off. I'm, I'm in front of the state cap. There's no pass. We're going to have to talk about that stuff <laughs> here. So,
2: Are we <laughs> sure about that? How many fish did you catch on day two? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: Hold on.
2: Actually, we fished wait, wait. three days. Hey, hey Brent, So you know I
3: caught a lot. I didn't, I
1: didn't know uh, poor Dan. I didn't know he had a speech impediment. I never heard him stutter so bad in my life. <laughs>
3: How oh, many fish man. did you catch? uh, 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 uh I don't remember. We, I, did, I don't would, remember. I don't, they wouldn't have ended. Remember. We were
1: uh, we were catching them, and we there were, were so on. one day too.
3: Like uh, you yeah. and you and Greg were catching them, Joe. There was three. Well, guys I don't know. I fish. think.
1: Uh, I think that guy with the big camera was stroking him in,
3: Should we watch the video and see how many fish we actually see him hold? <laughs> sure. <like> two. <laughs> how many fish do we see you hold on day one and day two? More than you. Well, I'll
1: say this. <laughs> I'll say this, like, People, People can tell by the commentary that we have a lot of fun when we're together. Oh, and it's yeah. a lot of good fun. And uh, <laughs> I will say that you know we had two good days of fishing. You guys, I think, had three because you pre-fished one day. But yep. what well, I tell you, between that and then uh, you know going back to the bar and restaurant at night and rubbing elbows with... Really, really good people. I mean, it's just a really a, a good time. And yeah, you enter the contest, that's great. You, know, you might catch a, the biggest fish of the tournament, but it's so much more than that. It's really about good people having a good time together. And, uh, but we're excited about that spring fishing, you know, for people that don't realize, what happens is those a lot of those big walleyes and big travers, they'll swim up that rainy river to spawn. Now they're in a very com- uh, confined area. And your chances of catching a, a walleye that's 28 to 32 inches is very very good and you know you, you never know what you're gonna catch right but i'll tell you what uh, there's a reason people go back for the spring fishing plus it's a first chance to sp- splash your boat for the you know for the 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 new season the new open water season and uh, it's just a fun time it's tradition
2: it's a lot of fun, and even if uh, the walleyes are, are struggling a little bit, there's a chance to catch some giant, giant sturgeon. And I know some people will just be targeting sturgeon when when they're up there. And we'll have prizes for both sturgeon and walleyes again this year. Top three length, uh, top three lengths for both of those fish for the two days. And you know the sturgeon recovery in that rainy river is well documented. It's such a cool story. And Joe, we're it's forty dollars enter the tournament this year with fifty uh, percent payback, and then we're donating twenty five percent of the entry fees to keep it clean with this tournament as well.
1: Yeah, you know what? Supporting Lake of the Woods keep it clean, you guys. We so appreciate it. In fact, I, uh, I reached out to Mike Hurst, who is with Soil and Water Conservation, kind of my partner in, in crime is when it comes to keep it clean. And he was just, he's like, wow, that is awesome, you know? And we'll certainly spread that news too. That's, man, give them back like that, you guys. And it's, it's a very worthwhile program. As you know, it's spread across the state this year and uh, it's been going very well. But you, know, you think about it, when we got you know, approximately two and a half million angling hours up on our ice, you know, there's going to be some intervention that needs to be done with our garbage and human waste on the ice. And that's what we're exactly what we're doing with our keep it clean program.
2: Well, I think it's a great program and we're happy to help out in any way we can. We're looking forward to the tournament. I mean, obviously there's some stuff to win, but it's just going to be a good time. It's just meant to be a fun tournament and a, and a good way to kick off the open water season. And we're looking forward to it again, the second annual SJR 500. Find out more at sportingjournalradio.com. And Joe, if people want to learn more about Lake of the Woods, what should they do?
1: You know what? Check out our uh, website, you guys, and that's lakeofthewoodsmn.com.
0: Come ice fish the famous waters of Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world. Experience full service resorts featuring heated fish houses, ice transportation, meal plans, and sleeper house options. From the northwest angle to the south shore, Rainy River and Baudette, the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, sauger, perch, and northern pike. Minnesota's
1: Lake of the Woods, best fishing anywhere. For more information, log on to lakeofthewoodsmn.com.
2: Don't miss the 2022 Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic at its new location at Canterbury Park in Shakopee, March 11th through the 13th. This year's classic features top hunting celebrities like Driven TV's Pat Nicole Reeve, Lee and Tiffany Likoski of The Crush TV, and Melissa Bachman. Get your antlers scored, view more than 300 antler entries, and see the latest hunting products, plus a great lineup of lodges and outfitters. For complete details on the 2022 Deer and Turkey Classic, visit mndeerclassic.com. It's ice fishing season, and time to plan your trip to Riverbend Resort on Lake of the Woods. Stay at the Lakeside Resort along the Rainy River in one of their new cabins and enjoy delicious meals and hot or cold beverages in the Miles Lab Barn Grill. Or stay in one of their comfortable sleeper houses on the ice, complete with a TV, stove, and lots of walleye right beneath your feet. You also have the option of staying at their motel, the Walleye Inn, located in Bidet. Book your ice fishing trip to famous Lake of the Woods today at riverbendresort.com. That's riverbendresort.com. All right, well, recently we did some filming for Prairie Sportsman on one of the major rivers in the state of Minnesota, uh, fishing for one of the biggest fish in the state. It's kind of a unique opportunity, and it's really one that's got a great backstory. The conservation story behind this fish is is, uh, is really remarkable. And we're talking about the sturgeon, and we went out fishing with the guy that's caught the biggest sturgeon in the state of Minnesota. We, needed, we wanted to up our odds on catching a good one, so why not go out with Darren Troseth from Three Rivers Fishing Adventures. Darren, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. Thanks for the invite.
2: I mean, that's got to be, you should just put that right on the front of your website or on your business card. I caught the state record sturgeon. If you (laughs) want to come, uh, you know, on a guided trip with me.
0: Uh, I kind of like to keep the lower expectations, honestly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Probably a good plan. And uh, fishing can be a little bit tough. In fact, it was a little slow for us, but I'll tell you what, for a slow night, I mean, we had, we, we basically kind of had action the whole night. There was never really, Uh, much of a dull moment and that's that style of fishing is um i don't know what the best passive you know that's not you're not doing a whole lot but i feel like we were you there was something going on the entire time we were out there
0: yeah it's nice definitely having the uh, live scope down and actually seeing those fish come through but i would say like our night was probably average um you know we saw some fish come through we we got to set some hooks on some fish and you know we caught that one so um i do have nights where you don't catch anything and other nights where you catch a bunch um it's really hit or miss and as far as ice fishing goes it's definitely a waiting game and i uh i kind of say i think it's more like you know almost like deer hunting you're out on your deer stand you know waiting for that big buck to come by
2: well, and uh, Dan Amundsen is with us and David Eckhart is with us here as well, too. And Dan, Dan got to uh, catch his first sturgeon on that trip. And Darren, how would you rate Dan's hook set on that fish? Uh, what would you grade it as? It was at?
0: extraordinary. Yes. I love. it. It was a nice it. little laughter, math, But that was, uh, I bet you couldn't do that again if you tried, actually.
3: I, even if I tried to set that <laughs> rod holder where it ended up, I don't think I could. Like I'd miss or something. Like, look at that. How does that, How does that happen? well and we'll we'll set it up just a
2: little bit so we're in a hub and you had three spots drilled we had three lines down i'm in the middle you're on one side and then dan is on the other side filming down the line filming you and i fishing and we each had a line down and uh i'll have you explain the gear we were using and how we were fishing here in just a second but in any case dan's line dan had a fish so he had a, you know, he kind of was handing me the camera. There's, there's gear in the way. There's GoPros. We got lights. There's all kinds of equipment. And Dan, you might have been
3: a little excited. Well, it's a big fish, right? See, and we had already lost a couple, so we didn't want to make the same mistake because, you know, you can't. It's hard to make a good TV show when you don't catch a fish. So you wanted to make sure you got a good hook set it. And Darren's over there, <laughs> set it, set it, set it, set it, set it, set it. I'm like, okay, so here we went, and things went a flying. <laughs> the so that's the
2: so we had rods in rod holders on the ice and that rod is dan set the hook i don't know some some part of the rod must have been hooked on that rod holder i guess yeah had to and next thing we know the rod holders up in the air hanging on uh what is on the gopro
3: yeah on the gopro and kind of by the ring light (laughs) just like that that was not set there we have it on footage of how it on camera how it got there so watch that
2: famous hook set on an upcoming episode of Prairie Sportsman that's going to air uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks here. You'll be able to watch it on a PBS station near you or on the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel or at PrairieSportsman.org. Darren, uh, obviously you've got sturgeon fishing dialed in, um, but it but it's really not too complicated, is it?
0: Honestly, it's not complicated at all. And really it's the amount of time you spend out there is how you're going to be successful. Um, you know, I can give you the tools to go out there and and show you what to do. But for the most part, these fish are just kind of roaming, you know, out in this basin and you're just waiting them out. I'd like to tell people, that you know, it's almost like uh, deer or cattle grazing in a field and you just wait for those fish to come through. And, and you saw that firsthand. That's kind of what happened with us.
2: Yeah. When we set up where we did, I mean, there was, the, the river was fairly busy. It was a nice day. There were a lot of houses out and about, uh, but where, where we ended up going was kind of, you know, you can't really get away from people, but we kind of got away from people a little bit. And I asked you, why'd you pick this spot? You know, is there structure here or anything like that? And you're like, nope, nope. Just, and that, and that's kind of pretty consistent throughout that, that, that river channel there in the St. Croix, right? It's kind of featureless and the fish just kind of Cruise around, don't they?
0: I mean, that's what my theory is. You know, I don't have proof of that, but, um, you know, I just have some spots where I feel a little more confident. Um, I don't know if they're better than others. Um, There is a little structure out there where I kind of like to set up along the edges um, along the first break. But for the most part, it's really just a, a waiting type of fish.
2: And they're cruising around and feeding. What are they feeding on
0: out there? So I think their, their main source of food is like bugs and invertebrates. You know, they're digging around in the, in the really soft silt out there. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's probably like a lot of red worms and things out there, hmm. um, you know, bugs and stuff. Uh, obviously, there's, it's not full of night crawlers, you know, but uh, they, they like to eat those. And there is a, a large abundance of shad. And we do like to use shad in the uh, fall. Um they're tough to get in the wintertime just cuz you have to use a cast net to get them. Um but the shad bite really does turn on in the fall. I think they're really trying to put some weight on. And when you catch those shad, you can't take them. You can't take them off the river, right? You cannot. So it's just uh, you know, you bring your net out, you fill up your cooler or bucket use what you use for the night and then just discard them. So uh, again, I mentioned this to you when we were out that night, that the live scope has really helped me a lot with that. Cause you know, you have to get bait like every single night you go out. So um, that's part of the deal.
2: <laughs> well, and I want to talk about how we use that live scope the other night here in a second too. Uh, but just going back to the, the red worm, when, when I, Went out to uh, Winnebago for a few years there and tried to spear sturgeon, which I, I think I did it four or five years. I never where I where I was spearing, I never saw a sturgeon swim through the hole. So all the sturgeon were safe coming around me, but the old timers would they would go out there before the sturgeon season started and try to find. Red worms. They'd try to, I don't know how they were doing it, getting, looking down in the bottom there some, somehow and try to find red worms in the bottom somewhere. And that's where they'd, they'd put up their shanties and uh, and then try to spear sturgeon during the season. So that must be a favorite forage for them. Uh, but the, that live scope, there were, I mean, if we weren't using that, obviously we had, we had bobber, bobbers, and that would allow us, uh, give us some sort of indication that there were fish there. But if we didn't have the live scope, uh, Darren, there were a lot of fish we wouldn't have known that were there.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of, you know, it doesn't necessarily help you catch fish. It's just more of an early warning detection, I guess. And I've actually talked to a few guys who are, you know, they don't want to use sonar. They think that those sturgeon might be a little sensitive to it. And they'll they'll just stare at their bobber, you know, all night. And you've seen how, you know, soft they bite. Uh, you talk about paying attention and, uh, and being a long night, you know, <laughs> just staring at that bobber would be kind of long and boring, if you ask me.
2: Oh, yeah. And and I'll tell you what, the, there was a couple of times where sturgeon came in either in pairs. I think one or one or two times we had three sturgeon coming in and my heart was racing because you're watching these sturgeon and we're maybe giving the bottom just just, uh, you know, not not slamming the bottom but pounding the bottom a little bit just trying to stir up things and get the fish excited and you'd see him you know you'd see him turn and you'd see him come back and you'd be like okay that, that fish is definitely there and whether they they most of the time they didn't actually bite anything or maybe they'd swap you know uh slap it with their tail and you'd see the bobber twitch a little bit like my heart was racing watching those fish go back and forth on the live scope
0: yeah, I guess the one downside is it kind of gives away the size of the fish, you know, this uh, surprise element has gone a little bit, um, you know, versus, uh, you know, two foot fish or six foot fish, you're going to be able to tell that difference. But uh, um, I guess any fish that comes through could be a 100 pounder. Um, but Man. the live scope does give you a pretty good idea, you know, what size that fish is going to be. Well,
2: there were a couple where we were trying to count the squares on there to, to see uh, if it would be, uh, you know, maybe as as big as uh, the one that you caught, which was 78 inches. It had a 29 and a half inch girth and you estimated it to be about 120 pounds. And before this interview, I was reading a little bit about it. And uh, the article I was reading stated that, that they thought that fish had been caught maybe two other times around the time, you know, around the time that you caught yours. I don't remember what the timeline was on it, but it was, uh, in any case, and one guy tried to take pictures, but they were too blurry for the DNR to to use them?
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I, I think in total, that fish may have been caught, you know, five or 10 times in the last uh, 10 to 15 years, but there's no, you know, definite way to prove that. I mean, the fish isn't tagged or anything. You're kind of going by, uh, things you see on the fish, just the overall body size and style and, and maybe some markings on the fins or something. Um, but yeah, there's a good chance that fish has been caught, you know, a few times, and it's still out there waiting for someone else to catch it.
2: Yeah, that's pretty neat. And, um, Obviously, a big fish, and we, we, we've a lot of people listening to this has probably heard the story about how you're, you needed to drill another hole and your auger battery was dead, and you put a message out to Facebook. Uh, and We recounted that story too on an episode of Prairie Sportsman where you and I did some flathead fishing. So, if people want to see that video, they can see it there or uh, they can see it on your YouTube channel as well, right?
0: Yeah, I have a YouTube channel, it's called Three Rivers Fishing Adventures, and uh, I have a lot of sturgeon and catfish and just some. Uh, how to videos, lots of auger stuff and whatnot, but yeah, the, the whole sturgeon video is on there, most of it, there's, it's like a eight or nine minute video and you pretty much get the feel of everything that happened that night. Gosh. I mean, when you
2: just going back to that fish for just a second, when you saw it come up and realized that you had to cut another hole, did you, were you starting to think state record at all at that point yet?
0: Uh, no, honestly, I, that didn't even enter my mind until it was on the ice. Um, and even then, it still really didn't cross my mind, you know. Just, I'm the kind of guy that just likes to measure every fish and kind of document, anyways. So, um, no, when that first fish first came up, I did know it was over 100 pounds, and it wasn't coming through the two holes that we had there. Man, what's the, What's the next
2: biggest sturgeon that you've
0: caught? Uh, the next biggest one is probably 68. And uh, the DNR, so the DNR did this catch and release record system, you know, I it's I want to say it's like maybe seven years ago now. Um, and I actually had the first record in that system too, and that one was 67 and a half, which I knew was going to get beat right away. Um, but it was nice to get that program rolling, and I wish they'd do it for more species. And I have heard that they might be doing that, so that's a, that's a good thing to hear.
2: Yeah, they have to do it for every, every all of them. And I, I think they are. I think it's going to happen in phases over the next couple of years, different species. I want to ask you if you think that there's, obviously that fish is still swimming, the 78-incher, but if you think there's a bigger sturgeon swimming in the river or swimming in the state of Minnesota. And we'll talk a little bit of flathead catfish fishing as well with Darren Troseth. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on Sporting Journal Radio. Live Target, the leader and Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the live craw. The live craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. F-Tex winner, the ultimate frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra-point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the ultimate frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And I cast an f winner, the live shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers. Coming soon from Live Target. Ice fishing season is here. This winter, plan a trip to Devils Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch their legendary perch, but this year, Hay Bale Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com.
0: Looking for winter adventure?
2: Might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes.
0: Ottertail County, Minnesota is in the middle of everywhere, offers a simpler pace, and has something for everyone. Find your inner otter at OttertailLakesCountry.com.
2: We're back. This is Sporting Journal Radio. Thank you for tuning in on the network uh, by demand at SportingJournalRadio.com. Maybe you downloaded the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you very much. I'm Brett Amundsen, along with Dan Amundsen over there. David Eckhart is with us, too. And our guest is Darren Troseth from Three Rivers Fishing Adventures. If you want to go on a guided sturgeon trip or maybe a catfish trip uh, during the open water seasons, get a hold of uh, Darren. He's a great guy. Had a good time. Done a little bit of filming for Flatheads. And then... And also now just recently filmed a Prairie Sportsman episode for Sturgeon through the IC. be able to see that coming up. I don't remember what the date is on that. Uh, a
3: couple months, I think. Yeah. Mid-April, some- end of April something like that
2: our our new season on uh, pioneer pbs is going to go through early may or mid may or something like that so it's going to air sometime between now and mid may you'll be able to watch it on a pbs station or on uh, the prairie sportsman youtube channel and um darren we were out there we were it, it was relaxing fishing i know dan is hooked like dan wants to go get sturgeon gear now he's ready to do it he just wants to go fish big fish especially this time of year and it it's funny you know being uh, walleye anglers or even bass anglers, panfish guys, when you start to go after fish like 100-pound sturgeon, you know, 50, 40, 50, 60-pound flatheads, or like when we go up to Saskatchewan, we can catch 50-inch pike or uh, or 60-pound lake trout, you don't really want to fish for anything else after that. <laughs>
0: I totally agree.
2: (laughs) It's so much fun. And when you have the chance to do that, and particularly when you have the chance to do that in Minnesota, I mean, to catch – giant flatheads or big sturgeon it's uh you can obviously see why there is some increased uh participation some increased popularity in these fish uh, particularly sturgeon man they become so much fun and there's uh, more and more places you can fish for them around the state from uh i know guys over in ottertail county are 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 fishing for them and catching nice fish uh the fish that were reintroducing a big stone hey you shut your mouth i mean there's no fish there (laughs) don't go there um but they grow, they grow pretty fast those first few years. So they become, you know, a decent catchable size pretty quick. And then they, they slow down. Right. I mean, some of those fish, like you figure that 78 incher was what, maybe 60, 70 years old, or maybe, maybe even older.
0: Yeah, probably somewhere between 70 and a hundred years old. And uh, I think I mentioned to you the night we were fishing that I think that fish is probably done growing. It's been caught, you know, like I think a few few times for sure. And, uh, it's kind of that same general measurement every single time. So, um, it's probably done growing and probably on the, you know, downward part of its life cycle. Do you think that's
2: kind of where sturgeon top out in Minnesota then, or do you think there's bigger ones out there?
0: I do think there's bigger ones out there. I don't know about the St. Croix. Um, I, I do have have seen some documentation of, you know, an 80-incher that was caught, Um, up by taylor's falls and that one was caught a few times by a couple groups and unfortunately it was out of season they were up there uh you know maybe just you know sucker fishing or cat fishing or whatever at any rate they uh, did catch that one out of season and uh, it measured 80 inches Mm -hmm. so i do think there's bigger ones out there that one was really skinny and i think that one was probably on a downward trend as well um but i guarantee you up on the uh you know lake of the woods and rainy river there's easy 80 inches up there, and those fish are really fat up there, too.
2: Well, we should mention, uh, speaking of the Rainy River, that we've got our, our our tournament coming back. It'll be the second annual SJR 500 on the Rainy River, April 11th and April 12th. We'll be based out of Riverbend Resort. We'll be having a, a kind of a pre-party and a rules meeting on April 10th, and then we'll fish on April 11th and April 12th, and it's a walleye and sturgeon, so we'll have prizes for uh, top three Uh, Walleye, top three sturgeon by length uh, over the combined two days. Last year, we did it in a snowstorm. It was pretty interesting. And we only had one access open at the beginning. I think they opened up um the second access the second day i think the day two we had two accesses open and there were guys man there were guys out there chipping that access open and breaking ice and cutting ice so uh they put a lot of effort in uh to and i think they just wanted to fish but it also helped us out too so we're we were very appreciative of that we moved it back a week this year this year so it'll be just a couple of days before the walleye season closes uh, uh based on winter hopefully everything is
3: yeah i remember um Oof. I've been up there those dates and I also fished in a blizzard. Yeah. And drove up in a blizzard. So, hmm. you never know.
2: Maybe. The way the way this spring's going it might be a blizzard.
3: Well.
2: Yeah. We know how to handle it now. It was fun. <laughs> I was jealous of the boats that had windshields though and tops. The bo- <laughs> the boat I was in both days, we didn't have windshield uh or a top on it. So, it was a little bit cooler, but I know Dan didn't Jamie have a heater
3: going in his boat? Oh, a lot of boats did. A lot of boats had heaters, we had tops, we had a jet boil going, we were cooking stews and hot dogs or something, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was a great time. We were toasty warm. We caught a bunch of fish before you guys even got out there, so uh, it was it was a fun time. No matter the weather, it'll be a good time. Come well, on up.
2: Well, and we knew we know what parking is like up there that time of year. And when you're dealing with maybe only one or two accesses, we we went. I think it was nine a.m. to four p.m. for tournament hours last year. We did go a little bit earlier this year. It's gonna be eight a.m. to four p.m. Uh, we got a bunch of prizes. It's gonna be a forty dollar entry fee. With we'll, we'll pay fifty percent back uh for uh for uh prizes so 50 50 percent payback and we're going to put 25 percent of the entry fees we're going to donate to the keep it clean efforts up there at lake of the woods and the rainy river and darren it's pretty amazing story when you think about uh the rainy river and, and honestly sturgeon fisheries all over the country and when you look back into the 1800s and the late 1800s, there were sturgeon everywhere in the United States, uh, in a good portion of the United States anyway, particularly from north to south here where we're at, the river systems, but they were pretty much wiped out in a lot of places uh, due to uh, pollution of the rivers, but there's also overharvest. There was uh, the caviar that they were, they were taking these fish out for the caviar. One thing I just learned today that I didn't really know much though, is because there's so much fat in those fish, that they were also catching them to burn them as fuel for steamships and steamboats. I had no idea about that.
0: Yeah, uh, the other big one is um, there's something in their in their fat or body chemistry that they could use for making glass, and that was another big one too. They they made glass using them. So uh, yeah, it's it's been an amazing recovery, and. I, Honestly, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I think it's like the perfect sport fish. Um, It gets really big. It fights really hard. It's easy to catch, and uh, you can, you know, release them really well. They're really good catch and release fish. So uh, I just think, you know, they're the ultimate sport fish.
2: Well, I want to ask how you got into fishing for them. I know you and I have talked about this before. We probably talked about it on Prairie Sportsman, but I want to ask you that again on this show. Uh, But real quick, since Dan is, is fired up, about fishing um give him some tips on the gear you know like what kind of what kind of rod he should get what kind of gear he needs for sturgeon fishing
0: so uh, are you talking about through the ice or through the open water well, How about both? Yeah, There you go. Well, okay, so uh, through the ice, what you're going to want is a uh, you know heavy, extra heavy, um, you know any lake trout rod or you know some of these guys are making sturgeon rods now and they're um, they're starting to get kind of popular. You know there was a demand for uh, sturgeon specific rods, so you know you want something 40 to 44 inches, you know extra extra heavy. Um, I think a glass blank works better just because you don't you don't need the sensitivity and uh, that thing will take a lot more abuse. Um, As far as line you probably want 30 to 50 pound uh, braid and uh, you know just a a sinker to get your hook to the bottom and uh, really uh, a single or treble hook with some bait on it and that's really all you need and then um, just a you know a bobber just to detect any activity or bites and really it's about the same when you go to open water other than you just want to you know a longer rod and uh you know a big reel that has a, a high drag capacity you don't want to undersize when you're fishing for these fish because they will uh they will spool you and break some rods so <laughs> always go out there prepared i love it and then you had you run some beads on there too yeah when i'm fishing through the ice i do like to uh uh, have a sliding sinker and then uh, just, I don't know, five or six beads between the hook and the sinker. And that's mainly just to have it so the bait will lie on top of the, uh, the, the um, soft silt that's there. And just to separate the sinker from the hook, um, if there's any sensitivity of that fish, you know, you know, sucking up that sinker, he might not feel it. And honestly, a lot of it is just theory. Like I can't prove one works better than the other. Um, again, just kind of do what you're comfortable with <laughs> and just set it down there and then you just wait
2: for essentially wait for the bobber to start bouncing more than anything
0: yeah they rarely will uh take it under and run with it eventually you know they will eat your bait and start swimming away um it's not a fast run or anything you do want to uh, pay attention though because they i have heard a lot of rods going down the hole <laughs> um, once they do finally eat it. Um, but for the most part, they're coming through and they're, they're sucking up that bait and they're kind of spitting it out and filtering everything just to get to that bait they're wanting to eat. And if they feel that hook, they do sometimes spit it out and just move on. So that's why you kind of want to pay attention to your bobber. And it's just, it just kind of bobs as they're sucking that bait up and spitting it out. That's uh, that bobber going up and down. And in the open water, it's the same thing just with the, the tip bobbing. That's that fish sucking in in and spitting it out and kind of filtering it as he does it. When, how long have you been fishing sturgeon, Darren? I want to say I started like in the early 2000s, like maybe 2002 or 2003. Um, I was big into catfishing at that point and kind of involved with a few uh, uh, websites. Um, That was before Facebook or any of this other stuff. And uh, there were a couple guys that put together a trip up to the Rainy River and said, you know, these people are up here catching all these sturgeon, and if you enjoy catfishing, you'd probably enjoy catching these sturgeon as well, and I'd never caught one before, and, you know, I was, you know, just willing to try anything, just something new, you know, and... Yeah, we went up there, and the very first fish I caught, I think, might have been a 60 incher. And uh, we <laughs> caught a bunch of fish, and uh, I was hooked. You know, it was, and at that time, there weren't very many boats out there, just the boats that were, you know, along on this trip. They called it the Sturgeon Excursion. And it's funny because all those resorts you might know out there on uh, Wheeler's Point. They all used to shut down after the walleye season, and then they'd be closed until I opened back up in in the middle of May. So they actually had to convince these resorts to open up so we had a place to stay. And uh, now it's basically full, you know, nonstop. So kind of an interesting uh, evolution of that.
2: It's an amazing opportunity, a bonus opportunity almost, that some people are more excited about now than, than walleyes. All right, uh, for the radio listeners, we're going to let you go, but we're going to keep this conversation going on the podcast or for our podcast listeners. We're going to continue here with Darren Troseth. Uh, but for you radio listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, join us on YouTube for the rest of the show. Uh, so, Darren, what you what got you into catfish then? Were you, uh, were you fishing for channels or did were you – excited about catching a big flathead or what got you excited about catfish?
0: So I grew up on Lake Vermillion and uh, I was kind of right at the very start of the, uh, the muskie boom. And I was working at a resort up there and, uh, you know, we were catching a lot of big pike and all of a sudden we started catching a bunch of muskies and I really got into catching big fish like that. I love catching the big pike and it was just something a little different than the, uh, you know, walleyes that everyone was catching up there. Um, and then, you know, Life changes took me down to the metro area, and uh, you know I started fishing in this area as well, but mostly just for uh, you know bass or walleye or whatever. I could I didn't have a boat, so I was fishing from the shore basically. And and one day I was out fishing on this pier near my uh, near my house, and I had some sucker minnows. I was fishing for pike, and the minnows died on me. And uh, someone said, you know, you should just take those down to the river and see if you can catch a catfish down there. <laughs> and I'd never. Done that before. I'd never caught a catfish in my life, so I did actually go home and start doing some research. And uh, i you know, you, there was really nothing out there. You can't just go out there and you know go on Google Maps and find where to go. You know, so I started digging deep into these uh, these fishing websites and trying to find guys that were fishing in the area. And I did. I was able to find some information and like to go to an area where I could go and catch some fish that was near my house. So yeah, I just went out there one day and chunked up and ended up catching like a 45 pound flathead. And, and <laughs> I was just kind of hooked after that. That was, I was done. You know, I, I've kind of lucked into these big fish every time I've started fishing for them and it's just hooked me every time. So. I don't know if we'll
2: see if Dan can find the picture, but I think I remember asking about that before and weren't, weren't you just covered in mud when you caught that, that fish?
0: Oh yeah. I was way undersized. I had a, like a bass rod and, uh, it was really muddy at the time. So yeah, I was up to my knees in mud trying to get this fish and I didn't, I didn't know how to hold it. I didn't know how to get it up on shore. You know, as do I put my hand in its mouth? Do I grab it? I didn't have a net. I didn't know anything. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was full of mud and, uh, I had, like, one of these disposable cameras in my box that you bring in and have the film developed, you know, and I just lucked out and had someone come down the bike path and ask them to take a picture of me, and so I did get a picture of it, luckily, and and I came home and I was just shaking, my wife thought I was, like, in a car accident or something, (laughs) I was like, I got a story for you. That's
2: so awesome. Um, you bring up a good point there, too, that we should probably talk about a little bit when it comes to, actually, when it comes to sturgeon and catfish, uh, there there are some, um, there's some ways to hold these fish and some ways not to hold these fish, right? There's some safer ways to handle them.
0: Yeah, especially like the sturgeon. Uh, when people go to grab them, the first thing they want to do is grab them by the gills because they make such good handles. And I don't blame people because there's really not a good way to handle the fish. And but you do not want to do that because you're putting all those weight, or all its weight on the gill plates, and they are pretty sensitive to that. So um, the best thing to do is just grab them by the tail with one hand, and then slide your hand under the belly um, with your other hand, and just kind of hold them like a like a piece of firewood, basically. And uh, that way you have good control, you know, of the tail as well. And uh, yeah, just like the picture you're showing there. And uh, with flatheads, the other, you know. The first thing people want to do is grab them by the mouth and with smaller ones it's it's quite all right i think to grab them by the mouth and hold them up you know and get the uh, the hero pose like that but i would recommend the same sort of deal you know one under the tail one under the belly and uh, you have good control of that. And it doesn't feel quite as, as natural when you're holding it that. But after you do it for a while, you will see how that is a much better way to hold them. You always just want to keep them vertical because, or I'm sorry, horizontal, because these heavy fish, if you're putting all, all their weight um, on their gills and their mouth, it's just, it's not a good thing.
2: Right. Uh, so, uh, also, it's yeah,
0: on- the, like you saw in the picture there, the, the fish grips work good too.
2: It's all about sustainability, and you're you uh, you're mostly catch and release, right? Occasionally, maybe a, a, someone will keep a, a small catfish.
0: Yeah, my guide trips, I kind of tell people if they want to catch a smaller one, I'm quite all right with that. I'm a firm believer in selective harvest. Um, I would hate to see you know complete catch and release. Um, I yeah. think we do need to keep some fish and and uh, you know enjoy the resource in that way as well. I 100% agree.
2: I you know I'm all about uh
0: taking care of our
2: fisheries but i i also really like to eat fish and i want people to continue to eat fish as well
3: and it's unpopular especially in the around here but catfishes like channel cats are delicious i think and people don't think of that as a, a good fish to eat in minnesota at least yeah i mean we can catch we can catch quite a few of them out here you know smaller
2: ones too and uh we've eaten quite a few cats lately uh david I think you actually, we had a bunch that you cleaned for us, I think. Well, I think it was you and
3: Dan were fishing. Oh, it? yeah. Yeah, yeah I, you just, you cleaned I, them up and you said, here you go. Yeah, we take we were fishing these. together. Okay. <laughs> I had fully intended on keeping some, but uh, yeah. I well, was staying out longer than Dan was and he had a cooler. So I'm like, here you go. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, thank you very much because they were delicious. So.
3: Well, you're welcome.
0: <laughs> uh, David, you. I have you... not eaten a flathead though, but I've I've heard they're pretty good. I've heard people say I they're better.
3: Either. Yeah, I haven't. Tried that's it, what I've heard too. Heard
0: but uh, I just tell people they taste like crap. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> just like all the big walleyes and big muskies. That's
2: right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's no reason right. to keep keep a flat. I mean, it, even if it does taste better, it's probably marginally better. And realistically, with the abundance of of channel cats, if you're going to keep a fish, uh, you know it, you could eat more easily. Probably catch and keep one of those, and uh, keep those big big flatheads swimming out there, uh, or, or go after something else. Dar- you know, we actually filmed an episode of Prairie Sportsman with uh, Dell Werspan. I don't know if you know Dell at all, uh, Darren. He's out here by Montevideo. Yes. Yep. Lives lives on the river. And we caught, we caught some channel cats that were probably about this big, maybe that we kept. And he, he filleted up and cooked for us. And then we caught a bunch of sheep head and he's like, I'm going to tell you what, Brett, you're going to, you're going to enjoy these sheep head. And I was like, come on, Dell." And they were, they were delicious. They were good.
0: Yeah. I've heard of people actually, you know, mixing them in with other fish like walleyes and crappies and stuff. And people can't tell the difference, especially in the, uh, Early in the spring, when the water's still cold and that that meat's a little firmer, um, it's kind of overlooked um, as a fish to eat. And I, I think so. Kind of uh, does scare me a little about them, is they're eating a lot of mussels and uh, clams and stuff. And um, they they are more susceptible to the chemicals and stuff in the river mm-hmm. if you have a polluted, you know, body of water. I think those drum are the first ones to have it show up, you know, in them. So interesting, I hadn't heard that
2: before. The, also, the the relationship between mussels and drum, and even walleyes and bass, and some of the other fish, how they, how they basically need each other, or that mussels need those fish to to reproduce. That whole, I think that whole story, that uh, th- that process fascinates me, Darren. I'll tell you what, there's, uh, we could keep talking about some of the. I don't want to call them rough fish, but the lesser the lesser desired fish, maybe in Minnesota. But what I think is really neat, and I and I wanted to get your opinion on it before we let you go here, is just the increase in popularity in rough fish or other fish, say sheephead or or catfish, other species like that. They're getting more and more popular. And even like burbot, you're seeing burbot become uh, listed as a game species now. I mean, uh, what do you think that's going to do to our fisheries uh, moving forward?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think in general that the rough fish uh, are, you know, just tougher and they they will survive, you know, um, the pressure, I guess, Uh The one thing is a lot of them, you know, to target them, you have to be in places where you wouldn't normally go, like um, the river systems where people are a little more uh, skeptical to go out on just because they fear the, you know, the safety and the water levels and stuff. So um, I think it's a good thing that the rough fish are seeing, you know, a a boom in their popularity. I, I don't see it really harming them a lot because a lot of people aren't keeping them as well. So I think that one of the coolest things is, and it really uh, brings a lot of joy to me when I'm doing these guide trips is a lot of times the people I take out, the the fish they catch, it's the biggest fish they've ever caught in their life. And uh, so they're always remembering this, that, you know, hey, you remember that? You know, we, we caught that biggest fish we've ever caught out there. I think that's really cool. That's probably one of the, the more uh, cool things about it.
2: Uh, David, have you ever been in any of Darren's fishing tournaments on Fish Donkey?
3: Um. No, I have not.
2: What the heck? Fired, <laughs> fired. Uh, you've got some stuff going
3: on there, don't on you?
0: I, I always plan on it, but I'm always working. Well, no, David. Yeah, a fish donkey's great. Like I. I started using it as soon as it came out, like, I was like, this is exactly what I'm looking for, because I wanted something that was catch and release, and you could document it easy, and uh, the resolution's so good, and uh, yeah, so I started doing these contests, you know, it's called King of the Cats, uh, for flatheads and channel cats, uh, and also King of the Sturgeon, I do that seasonally, so I do a winter one, I do a spring one, and I do a fall one as well, and that's statewide. So. Um, it really, not only is it fun to do, but it's also fun to watch and, and getting all these fish documented, um, is really a neat thing. Yeah,
2: man, that Fish Donkey app has been, uh, that's what we're going to use for the Rainy River Tournament too. It's so easy to do. And when you can open things up to different bodies of water and it's all catch and release and you just have to take pictures and videos, makes things uh, very, very simple. Uh, So again, Darren Troseth, I appreciate the time. And if uh, anybody wants to fish in our tournament, you can learn more about the second annual SGR 500 at sportingjournalradio.com or look for it on the Fish Donkey app. And Darren, if people want to get on a guided trip with you, what what
0: should they do uh, they can check out my website three rivers fishing adventures that's with the number three and uh, also the same name on uh, facebook and youtube and instagram and you type in three rivers fishing adventures you'll you'll find me sure enough very good darren thanks for taking us out and uh, thanks for being on the show awesome thanks for the invite i appreciate it
2: sporting journal radio is a division of Macaba llc If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to SportingJournalRadio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to SportingJournalRadio.com.